Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Mornings with Mac. I hope you've got your copy of God's Word. Uh, we're in a fascinating psalm this morning, Psalm 127, and uh, it speaks to parents. Uh, so hang on to that. It's Saturday. This is live. You don't get any more live than this. Tomorrow's Sunday, and at 1045, I hope you'll have your copy of God's Word. By the way, I will do a devotional in the morning. We'll be in Psalm 128. So get your Bibles. Be ready to do the devotional at 7 and then at 1045. Uh, tune in uh, to the live stream or on Facebook to Valleydale because uh, I'm going to be looking at the fourth uh, sacrifice in the book of Leviticus, which is the sin offering. Uh, really important, really critical to... Uh, to look at because you get a great understanding of what happens to Christ in that sin offering. So you be ready to worship tomorrow. You uh, be in your place, have your family there, uh, gather around, you know, have your copy of God's word, sing, pray, and uh, we'll worship together. We will be the church even though we can't be in church. Now, Psalm 127. Um, I go right into these. And I just give you my devotional thoughts, just thoughts. I've not put a great deal of study into this, but I'm showing you what I do whenever I sit down early in the mornings and go through my devotions. I'm going to give you the central idea out of this psalm. And it's this, our greatest achievement, our greatest accomplishment in life will be uh, to build a godly generation that will come behind us. That's exactly what the psalmist is saying here. And look at this, because this is in the Hebrew text where it says, a song of ascents. They were singing this as they were going up to the temple in Jerusalem. You always go up to Jerusalem. They're singing this as they go up to uh, Passover, Pentecost, Feast of Tabernacles. They're practicing this on their way up to the temple. And when they get in the temple, they will sing these psalms of ascent. Uh, th these are the songs that just like you go to church and we sing Blessed Assurance or we go to church, we sing Amazing Grace. These are the songs that they sang when they got to the temple. This is an interesting psalm because it deals, as I said, with parents. And it was written by Solomon. Uh, now, of the 15 Psalms of Ascent, four are written by David. One is written by Solomon. We don't know who writes the other 10, we do know that God is the author. The Holy Spirit is the author of them all. Well, Solomon writes this. Um, it is interesting because, let me show you uh, something about the psalm. It falls into two parts. Verse 1 and verse 2 are the first part. 3, 4, and 5 are the second part. And he's making, really, verse 1 and verse 2 is he's laying down a truth here. Uh, and then he's going to show you how you get to that truth. He uses a word here that is pure Solomon. Three times in verse 1 and verse 2. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, just, just look at this. At the end of, uh, in the middle of verse 1, it's vain. Um, in the, uh, at the end of verse 1, it's vain. And at the beginning of verse 2, it's vain. Now, do you remember uh, that Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes? And what was the word that he used over and over and over? Vanity. It's vain. It's vanity. 
fact, listen to what he said. The wisest man that ever lived said this. He comes in chapter one of Ecclesiastes, verse 17. I set my mind to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. Now you've got two extremes, wisdom, madness, folly. He he says, "I, I set my mind to go from one extreme to the other. He said, I went from wisdom to madness, stupidity, all the way to just pleasure, folly, foolishness. And he said, this is what I found. I realized this is also striving after the wind. It's vanity, 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 all is vanity. Earthly pursuit is a form of insanity. Well, that's, that's Ecclesiastes. That's Solomon right there. And he's going to use that word. That's one of the reasons why I'm convinced that Solomon writes this outside of the fact that it's in the Hebrew text. So let me begin right here in verse one, unless the Lord builds the house. Now in parenthesis, beside that, I've put the little word temple. It could refer to temple. Solomon, we know, built the temple. But I really think he's referring, because of the context of the psalm, I really think he's talking about your home, your family. That's what I think he's talking about. He says, unless the Lord builds the home, the family, those who build it labor in vain. It's, it's, it's vanity. It doesn't mean anything. It, it, it comes to nothing in the end. It's worthless in the end. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. He says, regardless of the military that a city has, a state has, a nation has, it makes no difference how good your military is, how many trillions you pump into your military. How up to date, the kind of weapons. He says it makes no difference because in the end, it's worthless. Now, I'm going to show you something about that a little later on. So now he's gone. Now, watch this. He's moved from the house to the city or the nation. Now, watch in verse 2 because he's going to move to the individual. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest. You see that little you right there? That's singular. He's not talking about just people in general. He's talking about you. He's talking about me. He makes this very personal. It's vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. He says, all your work. Uh, you're, you're a workaholic. You give your life to work. It's everything. You're up early. You go to bed late. You, you put in way more hours than is normal or is good. He says, uh, all you do is eat the bread of anxious toil. He says, you work, you work, you work. You put in all the extra time. You do all of this strenuous labor. He says, you, you, you invest yourself. You expend this energy. He says, you fall in bed at night. And he says, oh, what do you do? You toss and you turn because you're worried about the next day. You get up early. You get a, an early start on it. <clears throat> And as you get that early start, you work all through the day. You work late. You drag yourself home. You fall into bed and you can't sleep. You're so tired. You're anxious. You're tossing. You're turning. He says, what good is life like that? He says, you're doing that. You're building your own life. You're building your own home. Everything is on you. You've never stopped to consider the Lord. He says, but let me tell you something. Watch this next statement here because it's pretty fascinating. He says, for he gives, and I think he's referring to God at that, for he gives to his beloved sleep. He said to the one who trusts in him, he can work and he goes to bed at night. 
He leaves this in the hands of God. His home is built on the Lord. His security is built on the Lord. And his life, his work, all of that, that's in the hands of God. How many people in America right now in the middle of this crisis that we're in and we're in it, we don't realize uh, the depth of this crisis as of yet, but it's, it's pretty bad. This will fundamentally change America. There will be greater change from this than there was over 9-11. In fact, America will not be, will not experience or has not experienced so deep a fundamental change since the Battle of Gettysburg. I'm telling you, that's how deeply this is going to change our entire culture. You don't see it yet, but it's coming. But he says, listen, the man, the woman of God, they get in the bed and go to sleep. For he gives to his beloved sleep. Now let me show you. I'm going to show you just a sidelight here. An interesting thing. I'll show you why I think Solomon wrote this uh, beyond the other things. You see that little word beloved right there? If you go back to, to uh, 2 Samuel. Let me turn back there. 2 Samuel chapter 12. Do you remember the baby that was born to David and Bathsheba? That baby died. And the Bible tells us that David went into Bathsheba uh, and lay with her, and she gave birth to a son, and he named him uh, Shalomo. Shalomo, peaceful. Shalom comes from Shalom. They named him peaceful. Now listen to what uh, verse 24, 2 Samuel 12, verse 24, now the Lord loved him and sent word through Nathan the prophet and named him Jedidiah, for the Lord's sake. Jedidiah means beloved of God, beloved of Jehovah. Jedidiah, beloved of Jehovah. Let me tell you something interesting. God gave him a nickname, and uh, God loves you. And the fact of the matter is, is in Revelation chapter 2, Jesus says that to all of us who persevere, he says this to him who overcomes, you persevere, you overcome, you remain faithful. And to him, I will give some of the hidden manna and I will give him a white stone and a new name written on the stone, which no one knows, but he who receives it. God, have you ever stopped to think that God has a pet name for you? Uh, just like I have a pet name for Debbie, and I'm not going to tell you what it is. I, I have a pet name for her. God has a pet name for you, just as he had a pet name uh, for Solomon, which was Jedediah, beloved, his beloved. Well, he says, God gives peace to those who trust in him. Um, he gives that to him. Now, that's verse 1 and verse 2. Now, let me show you what he's driving at. You come to verse 3 and look at what it says. It says, behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Now, let me just tell you something here. We don't see children that way anymore. Uh, we don't see them as being a heritage of the Lord. We don't see them as being uh, a fruit of the womb. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children's, uh, children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who's, who fills his quiver with them. What Solomon is saying here is this. He's saying that children here uh, are the gift of God and you have to build them on the foundation of God. 
You've got to build the things of God into their lives. Now, I'm going to show you something in Hebrew that's pretty fascinating. Look back up to verse one, where it says, unless the Lord builds the house, you see that word builds? In the Hebrew, it, it, it's the word uh, banah. You come to verse three, and do you see the word children? It can mean young, children, uh, sons, boys. Uh, it can mean a number of things, but it's always referring to a young child. That word there is bond. The word bills, bana, children, bond. It's a play on words. Unless the Lord builds the children. Behold, what God built, the children here. Unless we build our children on the foundation of the Lord, let me tell you something, we'll lose the next generation. That's exactly what Solomon is saying. He says, like arrows in the hand of a warrior. Well, how do you build an arrow? You, you've got three parts to it. You have to shape that shaft. The shaft has to be perfectly straight. It has to be of the right material, the right piece of wood, and it, and it has to have the right shape to it. It has to be straight. Uh, an arrow has to have the right point. Now, this is a Roman arrowhead. It's about 2,000 years old. Uh, this probably, I, I bought this from an antique dealer. It took me half a day to buy this thing. I walked in the shop and out of the shop about two or three times. And uh, I eventually got it down to a reasonable price. It's antique quality. It's museum quality. And uh, it has, it's very carefully made. It, it's, it, it's interesting in that it's heavy. You had to have the right head to go on that shaft and uh, the right weight. This has three fins on this arrow point. Listen, let me tell you, as hard as they could shoot that, that'd be like a bullet hitting you. And then you have to have the feathers that give it direction, that help it uh, as it as it goes towards toward its target. It's talking about shaping this child like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. God gives you a child, and that child is a gift from God for you to build that child on the things of God. And in doing that, you shape that child to be used in the days to come for God's glory. Now, what Solomon is saying is this. He says, I don't care what kind of house you got. I don't care how big your house is, how impressive your job is, how much work you do. He says, I don't care how much military you've got. If a nation or a parent loses the next generation, what difference what kind of job you had? What difference what kind of house you had? What difference does it make about the military uh, of the nation? If we lose this next generation, let me tell you something. It doesn't make any difference what the stock market does. It doesn't make any difference how, how big we build our military. If we lose the next generation, it's lost. Remember this, our greatest accomplishment in life, our greatest achievement in life will be building a godly generation. America needs to hear this. Because let me tell you something, we've gotten to the place to where now everything is about contraceptives, don't even have the baby. And I can't tell you how uh, the birth rate around the world is diminishing. Uh, that's, another, that's another issue. But if you do get pregnant, we, we, we wipe out 3,000 of them a day in abortions. 
Just do it away. Don't ever let them breathe. And, and we've got politicians now who say if they are born and the abortion was botched and, and it doesn't go well and they're born alive, let's go ahead. It's all right. Take their life then. The unsafest place to be in America today is in a womb. And then we've got child care. We don't want to raise them, so give them somebody else to raise them. And then, listen, we've got plenty of prisons. When, when they get big enough to where we can't do anything with them, let, let the government just house them in prison somewhere. We need to go back and understand that every child is a heritage, a gift of God. And we have a God-given responsibility to do everything we can to build into that child the principles of God. Now listen to what he says, verse 3. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. You hear what he said up here? He said, like arrows in the hand of a warrior. And then he comes and he says, blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. Let me tell you, before your child is in your quiver, he's in your hand. It's what you do with your child that will determine what kind of arrow he will be in the years to come. He shall not be put to shame. The man that takes this seriously, the woman that takes this seriously, he, she shall not be put to shame. When he speaks with his enemies in the gate, and I'm going to give you man code here. There are a couple of things, ladies, y'all listen up because I'm going I'm to let you in on a secret with men. We have, uh, we have a code we live by. I'm going to give you, a, let me give you an illustration of man code. Here's man code. Whether a man makes $7 an hour or seven figures a year, doesn't matter. If he does his job, you give him the same amount of respect. In fact, if a man earns $7 an hour and he works hard and he's faithful and he's diligent and he's honest and he has character and integrity, and the guy who makes seven figures a year is a, is a slough off and uh, looks for ways to get out of work, and, um, you know, uh, just barely gets by, you give the guy who earns $7 an hour far more respect and honor than the guy who makes $135,000, $140,000 a year. That's man code. Let me give you another man code. Another man code is this, is the man who treats his wife right and treats his children well loves them, faithful to them, honors them, spends time in it with his wife, loves those kids, invests himself in them. Let me tell you, he gets far more respect. He may wear overhauls and earn $5 an hour, but he gets more respect than the guy who makes 150000 a year and uh, treats his wife poorly, abuses his kids verbally, is not there emotionally for anybody. And that's exactly what Solomon says. Listen, by the way, Solomon failed at every bit of this. He failed at all of it. That's why he writes this under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He failed at it and he can go back and he can look and say, let me tell you that a man who will build his children on the things of God that guy in the gate, that was a place of responsibility, respect, and leadership. That guy in the gate can stand flat-footed and look any other man in the eye. A man's value is not in his paycheck. It is in how he has cared for his family. You remember that episode, 
Season two, Wedding Bells for Aunt B. Aunt B, at Clara Edwards, she's always interfering. Just the a gossip, always interfering, telling it, Aunt B how to live her life. Oh, you've got to get out of the house, find somebody. And she starts dating Mr. Goss. Uh, and uh, everybody's talking about Aunt B and Mr. Goss, and it looks like they're going to get married. And so Opie's talking to Andy. One night, Andy's putting him to bed, and he's talking about, you know, Aunt B and Opie. And Andy's explaining to Opie about love. And he says, when you have that deep down feeling for that one special person, that's love. And Opie looks up, and in one of the rare moments that has ever mentioned about Andy's wife, Opie looks at his dad and he says, did you and mom have that kind of deep down feeling? And he said, yes, son, we sure did. The best way for you to build that next generation is love God and love your husband or your wife. See you tomorrow.